thank you, Gentile men. Appreciate that very much. That's beautiful. Thank you. This is Elijah's last Sunday, folks. I don't like that, but I like where he's going. We, we, pray, we pray regularly that our young people will, will be called of the Lord to go off to Bible college and prepare to serve him in either full-time service or as a Christian layman. So God has led Elijah to go up to Ambassador Baptist College, and I know that he will do well there. I know he'll learn so much from the godly professors there, and uh, he'll have so many friends, I tell you. But I'm, I'm just already looking forward. You are coming back for Christmas, I hope, at least. Yeah, don't come back before then because that could be a bad sign. Okay, okay, so wait till Christmas vacation, okay? Be a good boy up there is what I'm saying, all right? Hey, listen, we get all kinds of uh, texts and emails and calls and letters from uh, missionaries wanting to know can they come and present the ministry here. And so I received, I forget, email, I think, the first time from the Shipmans, and they live down in Gainesville, Texas. I had never heard of them. I didn't know anything about them. But I don't just say we, we can't have, we can't ha can't support missionaries now or whatever else we got. No, I, I don't do that. I try to answer every single one, and I always try to at least read everything they send me. So they gave me a website I could check out, and I mean whatever's on there, I read it all. I read it from beginning to end. I always do read it all, and looked at. It. I thought, you know, there's no reason these folks could not come to our church and be a blessing to us, and maybe we can be a blessing to them. And uh, if the Lord should ever lead us to be a part of their lives, that'd be a wonderful thing. We won't know unless they can at least come, okay? So I'm so glad they're here tonight, Brother Jacob and his wife, Shay. And you can just come and have a great time. How's that? All right. Well, good evening. Uh, my name is Jacob Shipman, and this is my wife, Shay. And uh, we're second-generation missionaries going to the field of Germany. Now I want to make sure that, uh, you know, we have our table out here in the front foyer. And uh, after the presentation, after the service, if you have any questions or anything regarding our ministry or us, uh, please make sure that you come by the table and ask those questions. We'll do our very best to answer those for you. Uh, but we also have these uh, back there as well. And uh, our prayer cards, make sure that you grab one of these and pray for us. Amen. And so the greatest thing you can do for a missionary is pray for him. Grab one, put one in the leaf of your Bible, and uh, maybe put the other one uh, on your refrigerator or something. And remember to pray for us. That would be great, and we sure would appreciate that. There's a few things that you can pray for us about. Uh, you can pray that the Lord would keep us safe as we travel on the road. And we do put a lot of miles on the car. And a lot of crazy drivers out there, amen, especially when we came in the state of Oklahoma. It seemed like the crazy drivers just really went up in number. And, uh, but no, everybody in Texas drives right, amen. And, uh, and come on now, man, <laughs> my goodness. And so anyway, we're, yes, like the pastor said, we're sent out of Crossroads Baptist Church in Gainesville, Texas. Our pastor is Brother Randy Taylor, Jr., and uh, they do everything for us, and so that's a blessing, amen. We're thankful for our home church and uh, for everything that they do for our ministry. And so we're glad to be here tonight. Thank you, Brother Carsey, for letting us come and present our burden for the German-speaking people. Now, real quick, uh, a little bit about us, a little bit of history about us, and then maybe we can go into that uh, video here in just a minute. Uh, my wife and I, maybe I should go back to 2003. My parents uh, were called to Germany back in 2000 and in 2003 we moved over to Germany and uh, my parents have been there ever since and so it's been about 17 years now and they're still over there on the field so I was raised on the field and uh, due to the due to the, uh, the German government 
Uh, we aren't allowed to do any Christian schooling or any kind of homeschooling or anything like that. And so uh, we had to, by law, uh, go to the German public school. Now, we didn't really want to do that. That wasn't our first option. Uh, but I praise the Lord for being able to do that. I learned the language quickly, was able to be a witness, and uh, that was a blessing. Amen. So I went to the German public school, graduated in 2010, and uh, came to Bible college in 2011, and went to Bible college for four years in 2011, and uh, graduated in 15. And uh, moved to Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, I have a lot of family up there. There was also a church up there that was needing some help in the ministry. And so I wanted to get involved in the ministry. Amen. And so I did. Moved up to Greenville, South Carolina. Helped out in a church. Uh, but it really didn't work out like I thought it was going to work out. And uh, that happens. Amen. In the ministry. And so I was asking the Lord, Lord, why would you bring me up here? Why am I here? Uh, I really wanted to get involved in a ministry full time somewhere. And uh, about a few weeks later, I met my wife. Amen. And, uh, and then nine months after that, we got married. And four months after we were married, we moved to Texas. Amen. And uh, packed everything up. And Brother Randy said, yeah, I need some help down here at Crossroads. I'll put you to work. That's where I wanted to be. And, uh, and so, I, I, if anything, I was encouraged in Bible college to make sure that when I get out of Bible college to be involved somewhere. Amen. And use what I learned in Bible college. And so, uh, I did that. What came down to Crossroads in Gainesville, Texas. And we were there for a little while, getting involved in every ministry we could. And uh, he did. He kind of put us in every ministry of the church, which was uh, amazing. And that's what I wanted to do. And so in 2018, uh, my wife and I, we took a trip to Germany just to go home. That's home for me. And we took a trip to Germany just to go back and see my family and see the country for two weeks. And uh, while we were there, about a week after we were there, I told my wife, and I was a little reluctant to telling her this because I didn't know how she was going to react to this, but I said, you know, I think the Lord's calling us to Germany. And, uh, you know, that takes a lot right there because that's asking my wife to drop everything she knows here stateside uh, and asking her to leave everything that she knows, what she's familiar with, her family. And uh, so that's a big thing to ask. And a lot of folks, um, a lot of wives aren't willing to go. And so I praise the Lord. My wife, she looked back at me and she said, I was thinking the exact same thing. And I said, well, that's a little interesting. So uh, praise the Lord for that. We got back to the States. I texted my pastor in Atlanta airport. And I said, I think the Lord wants us to go to Germany. And he said, I've been praying about that for you now for five months. So that was even more interesting. And so I said, wow, the Lord really knows. I appreciate my pastor for doing it like that because I've heard of a lot of young people being called in the ministry by men. And uh, I don't agree with that. Amen. I believe the Lord's big enough and uh, I have the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me as well. Amen. And he can show me if he wants me to do something for him. And so I appreciate my pastor waiting and he was there to confirm it with me. Amen. And so I appreciate that. And uh, and so we dropped our full time jobs, quit our full time jobs there in Gainesville and just leaped out by faith and started on deputation. And so we're now 14 months on deputation. I think you're our 150th church that we've been in. Amen. And, uh, and so 14 months and we've raised 78% of our needed support. So, uh, we're getting there quickly. We want to get there as quickly as possible. Amen. And get to the field. And so pray for us, pray for safety while we're on the road. We have a full schedule for the fall and the winter. Um, we've got about another 45 meetings, uh, for the rest of the year. And so we're hoping that we'll cap it off. That we'll finish it off. We'd like to be on the field, uh, by the beginning of the year. 
So maybe you can pray for us about that. That would just be a little bit over a year and a half on deputation. And so we've seen the Lord really bless our ministry. Amen. And, uh, and so we're excited about that. So maybe at this time we can go ahead and show that video. I hope it'll be a blessing to you. And uh, remember, if you have any questions, if something's unclear, uh, make sure that you come and ask us about it. We'd be glad to answer any questions you might have. And if we could, is it possible to get a few lights so that they can see the video better? Oh, good. There, amen. Germany. Germany has a population of over 83 million people. 60% profess to be Catholic or Lutheran, and only 10% of these people actually attend church. Hello, my name is Jacob. My wife's name is Shay, and we are second generation missionaries going back to the field of Germany. And when I was just a six year old boy, the Lord called my father to go to the mission field of Germany. And in 2003, my family and I moved to Germany to a little town called Rottenburg am Neckar. And in Rottenburg am Neckar, there are nearly 40,000 people that live in the city and around the city in the neighboring villages. And it was there where I went to the German public schools because of the German laws, we were unable to homeschool or do any Christian schooling. And so I was able to learn the German language very quickly. And so I graduated the public school there, high school, and went to the States and graduated Bible college and met my wife. And nine months later, we got married. And it was in 2018 where the Lord was really just laying a strong and heavy burden on my wife and I to go back as second generation missionaries to Germany. And in December of 2018, my wife and I, we quit our full-time jobs and just went out on the road and started our deputation trail. And so I believe if you step out by faith and trust the Lord, he'll take care of you. And that's exactly what we did. And in the summer of 2019, uh, my family came off the field to go on furlough. And so my father asked my wife and I if we would come over and fill in and pastor the church there. And that was a great time of experience for my wife and I. And not only that, but my wife was able to take a good bit of language courses over there for the German language and learn a little bit of the language. And so that was a blessing for us to be able to do that. So our plans for the field is we'd like to get there as quickly as possible. And that's the goal is to get off the deputation trail and get back to the field where God has called us to. And when we do get over there to the field, we plan on being with my father at his church and helping out in the ministry. We want to get involved with the music. We want to get involved with the preaching. And we want to get involved with discipleship and discipling these folks. And after we're done helping my father in the ministry, we'd like to branch off and start our own ministry and, our, and plant our own church there. 950,000 people will die this year in Germany. The majority of them 
do not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, and most have never heard the gospel. There is a great need. Wenn du heute sterben würdest, bist du dir hundertprozentig sicher, dass du in den Himmel gehst. Und wir können es wissen, die Bibel hat uns gesagt, in 1. Johannes Kapitel 5 und Vers 13, damit ihr es wisst, wir können es wissen. Please help us get there before it's eternally too late. My wife and I are excited to see how the Lord is going to use us in the ministry reaching the German people with the gospel. And we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all of your prayers because without you, we could not do what the Lord has called us to do. Thank you. Perfect. Amen. All right. And yes, I just wanted to also uh, quickly mention as well that uh, once we get to the field, we, we will be with my parents at first um, so that my wife can learn a little bit of the language. And uh, that's vital over there to start our own ministry. And so you pray for her about that, please, if you would. German's a hard language to learn. And, uh, and so I was privileged and blessed to learn it at the age of nine. And so it was a little quicker for, uh, for children to learn it and younger people to learn it. But as a grown adult, it's, it's definitely a little bit harder uh, to learn a foreign language. So pray for her about that and also for her visa status. I do have a, a visa already for the country, uh, but she's going to need uh, to get that and apply for that. And so until we get all that settled, uh, we're going to be with my parents at first. Um, and help them in the ministry, learn underneath them for a little bit. But our, our goal uh, is to branch off and start independent Baptist churches uh, throughout the country of Germany. There's a great need for the gospel in Germany. And as you just saw right there, I'll just add this as well. The German people are very cold spiritually toward the gospel. They see, they see no need for a Savior at all. And, uh, and so there's a great need uh, for the gospel over there. And there's a lot of people... And you may say 83 million people is not very much. You know, there's 300 and something, what, 350 million that live in the United States, something like that, I'm just guessing. And that's a lot of people for the United States. But take in consideration that Germany fits into the state of Texas three times. So uh, that'd be like 250 million people living in the state of Texas. And there's only 28 that live there. So um, that's to give you a little bit of perspective right there. A lot of people. Lots of lost people, and they've never heard the gospel. And so we want to we get over there as quickly as possible and get to work and uh, do what the Lord wants us to do over there. Will you pray for us uh, while we're on the road and uh, also while we hit the field? Uh, let's go ahead and get in the message tonight. I want to give you something tonight uh, that, Lord willing, will be a blessing to you and uh, will help you. And, uh, and so I was also going to mention that my, my brother-in-law and my sister went to Ambassador up there. It's a good college. And uh, I'm glad to hear of young people still wanting to go to Bible college. Amen. 
And so, praise the Lord. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the calling tonight as well. And so, uh, Acts chapter 9, and uh, Acts chapter 9 tonight, and we're going to read three passages of Scripture tonight from Acts chapter 9. And, And, you know, if you're born again tonight, and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I sure hope you do. If you don't, uh, you need to get that taken care of tonight, amen. Uh, But if you do, uh, you and I, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, amen. And He surely does. Once you get saved, the Holy Spirit moves in, and He's there to guide us, direct us, lead us. He's also there to convict us, amen. And uh, and so I love coming to church and getting under Holy Spirit conviction. Do you? And uh, I sure do. And so it makes you into a better Christian. It molds you to be a better Christian for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's what I'm, I love about church. Amen. I'm glad I'm here tonight. Could be somewhere else tonight, uh, but I'm glad I'm here. Amen. And uh, boy, I tell you what, the coronavirus really put a number on us, didn't it? And uh, not being able to come to church. I don't know about here. Uh, so much of how it was for you all here in the church, uh, but in some of the churches we've been in, in New Mexico and Arizona, boy, it really hit them hard, and so uh, I'm just glad to be back to normal and back in this area, amen, the south, and it seems like everything's back to normal when you come back to this area, and when you get back up there, everything seems a little weird, um, but you know, that's just the way it is. I hope no one's here from the north, amen. Anybody here from the north? Oh, oh, bro, oh man, wrong joke. Amen. And uh, uh, you rather, yes, amen. Uh, there's a pastor up in Bourbonnet, Illinois, I know. We're going to be with them later on in the missions conference, and he talks about that, how Illinois to him is just like communism, and uh, it's terrible. And so pray for us as we go through there <laughs> later on this year. Uh, but Germany, by the way, is a socialist government. It's a socialist country. And um, I was telling the church this morning as well that uh, the German people do not have a clue or an idea of what's, what real freedom and liberty is. And uh, they never have, uh, especially this generation. They don't know what it's like. And so we truly are a blessed nation, a blessed people. And there's no other country in this world like America. There just isn't. And uh, you can move to Germany. It's nice. It's, you know, it's a first world country. Uh, you won't starve there, and there's no persecution there. But it's definitely not the United States of America, amen. And, uh, and so, uh, I love this country, amen. Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9 tonight, three different passages of Scripture real quick right here. And if it's okay with you, Pastor, if we could stand, if you're physically able, I'd love for you to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God tonight. And uh, just short passages, I, don't, I won't have you stand long, I know how that is. And, uh, and so I'll have you be seated here in just a minute. But Acts chapter 9, in verse number 20, and uh, this is the passage of Scripture, very well-known passage of Scripture right here. You know this passage. Uh, this is where Saul meets the Lord on the road to Damascus. And it was right there and then that Saul accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. I firmly believe that right there on the road to Damascus. And right after that, God gave Saul and now Paul a calling. Amen. He called him into the ministry and called him to be a minister and a witness and to be a missionary and to preach the gospel. Amen. And if you look in verse number 20, the Bible says there, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. And that what did he preach? That he is the son of God. And straightway, I want to focus on that first part of that passage right there. And straightway 
He preached Christ. We see a type of person right here, Paul was, and we didn't see Paul as a disobedient type. Actually, in Acts chapter 26 and verse number 19, Paul actually tells King Agrippa in his personal testimony that he was not disobedient under the heavenly vision, but he was obedient. Amen. We see a type of person right there. Look at verse number 36 through verse number 40. Here in the same passage of Scripture, we see a whole different type of person. But she's right here in the same passage at the end of this chapter right here. Listen to this right here. I think this is interesting. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. And this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, and whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. And pay attention right here in verse number 39. This describes Dorcas very well. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. We see here a completely different type of person right here. What we see in this passage, we see a servant. We see a person that is or has a calling here to make clothes and garments and coats for the apostles. Just a mere and simple servant. And may I tell you that our churches today in America, and very possibly, most likely in this church as well, there's a, a bunch of people, lots of people that are in the background, don't get a lot of limelight, but they're simple servants for the cause of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have several of those type of people in our churches, and praise the Lord for that. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 40, last passage right here, and I'll have you be seated. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 40. Uh, here's another type that we see here in this passage of Scripture, and just here after the apostles were uh, being arrested, and now they're being released. And it says there in verse number 40, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles, and what? Beaten them. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, complaining. No, that's not what it says. How about uh, crying? No, that's not what it says. It says rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. We see here a different type of person really these men right here were cut from a different cloth. Amen. These men right here were different. And so we see three different types of people. I want to give you a message entitled this tonight. If you're taking notes and if you're not, that's fine. But I want to give you this message right here entitled this. Three types of Christians God is looking for. Three types of Christians God is looking for you. may be seated and we'll go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so very much for your dear son, Jesus Christ whom you sent over 2,000 years ago to die on the cross for our sins, that we can know for sure, Lord, I want to thank you tonight, Lord, for the assurance of our salvation, that we can know for 100% assurance tonight that we have salvation and that we're on our way to a place called heaven to spend eternity with you. And I want to thank you for that tonight, Lord. Lord, give us something from the word of God tonight. Put a hedge of protection about us. Put the fiery darts of Satan behind us. We do not need him here tonight. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Three types of Christians 
God is looking for. And we saw here three different passages of Scripture in Acts chapter 9 uh, and also in Acts chapter number 5. And so I want to give you three points tonight and uh, three types and I uh, hope they'll be a blessing to you. First type tonight, the first type of Christian that God is looking for is he's looking for the obedient type. God's looking for the obedient type. If you look there in verse number 20, it says, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. It doesn't say he lingered around. It doesn't say that he waited around. It says, and straightway. When we were in Germany this last summer, uh, my wife and I, like in the video, it said it earlier, uh, we went to Germany for four months, and uh, my father came back on furlough, and he doesn't have anybody right now, a national pastor or anybody really to fill in for him. Uh, like I said before as well, the German people are very cold spiritually toward the gospel, so it's taken several years just for him uh, to see someone get saved, get baptized, join the church, and starting to disciple them. And so uh, he didn't have anybody. He said, Jake, why don't you come on over? You can fill in. It'd be a great time for you and your wife uh, to get some experience as well here on the field. And just put a pause on your deputation trail and pray about it. And I prayed about it. And I said, man, I do have peace about it. Let's go ahead and do this. And so we flew over there. And boy, that, I really recommend that for uh, future folks that want to be in the, or, or called to missions, maybe called to be a missionary. Uh, it's not a two-week mission trip. It's a four-month mission trip. And uh, you definitely see the field uh, for what it is. And, uh, and so you'll, be, you'll have better a picture of what the field is like. And so we did that, went over. And so I preached a sermon series over there, uh, a couple of messages on the life of Paul after his conversion. And if you do any studying right here, you could really just read it right here in chapter 9. You'd understand that Paul uh, not only accepted Christ as his Savior, but in the same moment, he did the call that God had given him. Right there in chapter 9, it even says, he even asks, he says, what should I do? What will you have me to do? And God gave him a calling. And right there and then, and later on in this passage, it says, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. He didn't do anything else. He went straightway. He was the obedient type. God is looking for someone to heed the calling. May I tell you tonight that he needs you and I to be obedient. That's what he needs from us. Paul said even in Acts chapter 26 and verse number 19, I said this earlier, that he was not disobedient in the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them at Damascus, not Jerusalem, throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should what? Repent. Amen? Repent. I firmly believe, Pastor, that we have several folks, whether it be young, old, middle-aged, who are not obeying the call of God for their lives. I believe we have several missionaries, several pastors, several youth pastors, several uh, uh, music uh, ministers, whatever it may be, that are not obeying the call that God has given for their lives. The call of God is different for each and every one of us. I understand that. I'm called to be a missionary. Someone else might be called to be a pastor. Someone else might be called to be this or do that. And I understand that the call of God oftentimes is something that we don't want to do. Amen? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a difficult task. We don't want to do it. Jonah didn't want to go to the city of Nineveh, but God called him there. Amen? Did he not? He called him there. And let me tell you something tonight. He will get your attention. When I was a sophomore in Bible college, actually just right here in Oklahoma City, and uh, I had a bus route and uh, I was, I just had gotten a new car. Actually, if I back up a little bit, I, I had my first car, uh, bought it 
in Moore and Moore, Oklahoma, bought a Honda, 2005 Honda Accord. And uh, if, you, if you remember, your first car is always special to you, just is. And it was to me, and so I was always washing it and waxing it and, you know, vacuuming it out and all this kind of stuff. And I was really proud of it. And I had a friend from Germany come over, and he said, man, I want to come over to America, see the United States. I said, come on over. There's not much to show you in Oklahoma City, uh, but I'll show you around, and uh, we'll try to make something out of it. And he got here, and he was like, man, you're right. There's nothing to do here. And he said, take me somewhere else. I said, all right, let's go to Texas. So I, I drove him down to Dallas, Texas. He wanted to see Dirk Nowitzki, where Dirk Nowitzki was, you know, living and all this kind of stuff. And, and so I took him down there. And uh, while we were down there, we just got in a huge, massive wreck. I mean, it totaled my car completely. And my, my whole car was just, I mean, they just junked it. And, uh, boy, I was really discouraged. I was down. I said, man, that was a nice car. I just got through paying it off two months before that. And, uh, boy, I was really down. So I started asking God, God, give me a car. I need a car. When I get back to Bible college, I need to go from point A to point B from work and everything, and I need a car. And, uh, and so I got back to the, to the college, the church there, and I found a man. A man was selling his car for $300. And it was a 1995 Honda Accord, 10 years older than mine. And I said, I'll buy it. And I uh, bought it without even looking at it. And I just took it. And I got in the front seat, and I found out why he was selling it for $300, amen? And it was a stick shift. And so I got in it, but uh, luckily for me, growing up in Germany, that's what they primarily drive over there. They don't drive a lot of automatics at all. And so I got in it and started driving it around. And if you've ever driven a stick shift, one thing you know is that you feel like you're in a race car. Your car is a race car with a stick shift. And uh, it doesn't matter if it's a four-cylinder like mine was. I mean, mine sounded like a weed-eater engine. I mean, it was bad. It was, man, it was bad. I was driving around. I was on May Avenue. And uh, my, my buddy and I, we were out on Saturday uh, bus visitation, visiting our bus kids. By the way, I commend churches for bus ministries. Amen. I believe bringing in kids to hear the gospel is great. Amen. I believe God blesses it. And, uh, and so we were out visiting our bus kids, trying to get them to come to church on Sunday. And I was going down May Avenue, and I was in a 35 zone. And I was going about 50 in a 35 zone. And I thought, man, I was doing, I said, man, watch this. And I put it into gear, and I was showing Jake all this stuff. And he said, you better watch out. There's a truck coming up up there. And I said, don't worry about it. I know what I'm doing here. And, uh, you know, I just got out of a wreck in Dallas, but I knew what I was doing. And uh, I said, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And I was driving, and there was like a light mist coming down that day. And the road was just slightly, uh, you know, wet on the ground. And, and another thing that I didn't have on that car was very good tires. They were basically bald. And... Uh, Man, I put on my brakes. I said, man, I am going to hit this truck right in the back going 50. It was a big Toyota pickup truck. And I said, Jake, hold on. And he grabbed the handle above his chair right there above his door. And he got all tense. And I said, man, we're going to hit right in the back of this truck going 50 miles an hour. I put on my brakes and my car just started fishtailing in the back. I mean, I lost complete control of the car. And the truck in front of us, we got closer and closer. And boy, I thought, man, this is going to be bad. We're about to hit this guy. And right when we got up to the truck, I kid you not, I don't understand. It should never have happened. The physics shouldn't have never let this happen. My car went around the truck in the oncoming traffic lane, turned completely around. We're looking at the truck driver through our windshield. And uh, we went around the truck and came right back and landed right back in the lane that we started in. Completely turned around. 
hit the curb, tore up my suspension in my car. But at least we didn't hit anybody. At least I didn't die. At least we didn't hit the truck and all that bad. You know, that was just terrible. But, you know, it was interesting to me at that moment, a lot of things started coming to my mind, my life, what I was, how I was living for God. Was I truly living for God? How I was acting? What was my relationship and my fellowship like with the Heavenly Father? And boy, a lot of things started coming. Was I really being obedient? And boy, may I tell you tonight, God can and will get your attention. He can. He can. He got Jonah's attention. May I tell you as well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse number 19 and 20, the Bible tells us that we are not our own, for we have been bought with a price. Which price was that? The blood of Jesus Christ that's covered your sins and has covered mine, for we are not our own, for we are God's and God's alone. Amen. If you're born again tonight, you are not your own. You are God's. God's looking for the obedient type. God's looking for the obedient type. Not only is he looking for the obedient type tonight, but secondly... God is also looking for the servant type, the servant type. You see there in Acts chapter 9, in verse number 39, if you want to look there real quick, again as well for reference, in verse number 39 it says, Then Peter arose and went with them, and when he was come, they uh, brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him doing what? Weeping and showing the what? The coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. God's just looking for a simple servant. That's who Dorcas was. Dorcas of Joppa was just a simple servant. May I tell you tonight, listen, young person, God isn't looking for talent. God isn't looking for the well-sung, the well-dressed, the well-spoken. He's just looking for someone that wants to sell out their life for the cause of Jesus Christ, put aside their own agendas, put aside their own wants, put aside their own desires, and put God's first and God's calling first and wants to be just a simple servant. That's what God's looking for. The servant type. Job chapter 1 and verse number 8. What did God tell Satan? What did he ask Satan? Hast thou considered what? My servant Job. Job was a servant of the Lord. He just wanted to serve the Lord. You say, how can I serve the Lord? Preacher, what's the best way for me to serve the Lord? How can I do this? What you're saying, I'll tell you how you can serve the Lord the best way. And that is in your local church. Right here. In your local church. That's the best way that you can serve the Lord. Pastor, traveling on the road, we've been in several meetings, like I said before. We've seen several ministries, several churches, several wonderful ministries and thriving ministries and several thriving uh, churches. But one thing we've seen is compromise left and compromise right on several ministries that are absolutely vital and are important for the body of Christ. We don't need any more of that. We need folks that are willing to be just a simple servant and being the servant in ministries, in several ministries right here in this church. I'm sure there's several ministries right here that folks can just get right involved in. May I tell you, soul winning is basically gone out of most of our churches. Folks don't show up anymore for soul winning. Do you even show up for soul winning anymore? We need to show up. The Sunday school, the bus routes, the nursing home ministries, the teen class, the junior church, sound system offerings. There are several areas where you can just get involved and be a simple servant. That's what God's looking for. God's looking for some young people to be just simple servants. Get involved. This church is like a body. Amen. 
There are certain parts that have to be there for it to work. It can't function, it can't work right if folks don't get involved. Now I know church, this church, it looks like folks are just right involved. Amen, man, I came in, uh, choir practice, people showing up for choir practice. What a blessing. We've been in several churches, choir's not there anymore. I love the choir. I think it's a blessing. It really ministers to my soul. I believe music is something that's vital that ministers to us to get us ready for the message. Amen. Amen. Sure. God's looking for a servant. We were in a missions conference not long ago in South Carolina. And uh, I love missions conference. Do you all have a missions conference here? Uh, sometimes, maybe once a year. Some churches do like a missions month, uh, a Sunday here and a Sunday there. And, uh, but I love missions. I love the emphasis that churches put on missions. Amen. That's not just because I'm a missionary. Amen. Most folks look at me and they're like, well, duh, you're a missionary. No, not just because of that, but I've been involved with missions all my life. My parents started me off when I was about six years of age, giving to faith promised missions. And I've been doing that all my life. And I praise the Lord for that. My folk, my parents instilling that in me. I've been giving. I believe the Lord will bless you. If you're not involved with missions giving, get involved with that. Amen. The Lord will bless you. The Lord will bless you for that. And boy, we were in this missions conference, and this guy got up to preach. And uh, I won't say his name. I'm sure folks would even know who he is. But he got up to preach, and he was about six foot six. Man, he, on this pulpit, boy, he would be really tall. This pulpit's a little lower right here. And uh, when he was six foot six, he was preaching, man, he was preaching strong. And he started talking about foreign missions, folks going over to foreign fields and taking the gospel. There's about eight missionaries at this missions conference, some going to Mexico, some going to Peru. There were some going to Brazil. I mean, it was all us going to Germany. It was great. I mean, I love it. I love being around missions. I believe it's the heartbeat of God. Amen. God's concerned about souls. Amen. That's right. We ought to be concerned about souls. Amen. Amen. We ought to be concerned about souls. That's right. And boy, he was preaching, and man, he came down, and it was one of those messages where he was just stepping all over my feet. I mean, I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. He's really getting on to me here. Not even talking to me. He's just, you know. There's a lot of people in there, and I said, man, you know, I don't get preached to a lot because we're usually in a service like this. And so I said, this is great. I love this. I need this once in a while, a refresher, and I need, I need it. Amen. And, uh, and so that's what people need in full-time ministry. And he was preaching, boy, he was preaching hard. And then he started talking about home missions. And he came down here and he started to, uh, to, to talk to somebody. And he was sitting on the front pew. And he was sitting right here on the front, front pew. And I'm going to sit on the very edge of this because I think these signs say I'm not allowed to sit here, right? <laughs> Amen. I'm just going to sit like this. I'm, not, I'm like right on the edge here. And he sat down, and he turned around, and he started talking to somebody. And he said, sir, what's your name? And he said, my name's John. And he said, John, let me ask you a question. What do you do here? And he said, well, I do this. I own this business, blah, blah, blah. And he said, is it good? He said, oh, yeah, it works good. He said, I'm doing, you know, the Lord's blessed me, blah, blah, blah. He said, okay, let me ask you, what do you do here in the church? He said, I do this, and I'm involved with this ministry. Man, the guy was all over. I mean, he's involved everywhere. Praise the Lord. And he said, let me ask you a question. He said, if that missionary over there going to Mexico gets to Mexico... And, I mean, he just chills out on the beach and does nothing for the ministry. And you support him. He said, what do you think your church should do? And he said, well, I think, uh, you know, he's kind of nervous at this point. And he's like, I think, I think we'd drop him. And he looks over at that missionary, the, the missionary going to Mexico, and he says, brother, does that sound about right? Is, can that happen? And he said, oh, yes, definitely. He yelled back and said, they can drop me if I'm not doing what God's called me to do. 
Because that's what the church is supporting is what God's called them to do. And he looked back and he said, John, let me ask you a question. He said, who drops your pay when you're not being a witness right here? And I sat there and I said, for the car seats, I said, please, Lord, don't let him come to my pew. Don't let him sit on the pew in front of me. Wow. I got so under conviction. I came to that altar that night. Boy, I was under conviction. We need some people that are stirred about folks, lost folks, right here in Yukon, in Oklahoma City, that don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Are we involved? Soul winning. We must want to serve the Lord. Listen, young person, we must want to serve the Lord. Not have to. Should be a want. Should be a want. The primary job of the local church is to what, church? Amen. Evangelize the world. That's the primary job. May I tell you the programs and everything that you have, the VBS and all that, and praise the Lord. I love VBS. My father accepted Christ at the age of 14 at a VBS. I praise the Lord for VBS. Do you know what all these programs and all these camps and all these ideals that we have in church, what they're striving toward, they're striving for the furtherance of the gospel. Amen. To evangelize the world. Not only is Christ looking for the obedient type, not only is he looking for the servant type, but he's looking for a third type tonight. He's looking for the courageous type. The courageous type. When I was a teenage boy, I still do till today. I love the game of basketball. And um, I do a lot of basketball playing and uh, keep myself in shape as best I can. Amen. And uh, so I love it. And uh, I've always been involved with sports, bike riding, Soccer, and that's big over there in Germany, so I played five years of soccer and did a lot of ping pong, tennis. I love it all. And I would always want my dad to go and do it with me, and, you know, he was the one that got me all started in all of it. And, you know, at one time he played it all and did it all and, and uh, found out really quickly, though, that adults don't have all the time in the world. I didn't understand that as a teenager. Now I do. Amen. And uh, I remember coming to his office and being like, Dad, let's go do this. Let's go do that. And he used to tell me, I can't. I'm busy here. I've got to prepare this for him, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, boy, I didn't understand that. And once in a while, my dad would always tell me this right here. He'd say, son, you need to grab a book. You need to sit down and read that book. You need to be quiet, sit down, read the book, calm down, and do something productive. And I said, okay. Uh, you know, and I couldn't stand that. Anybody here like to read? Got some readers in here? Okay. I can't stand it. You know, I can't stand it. And uh, I like to be doing something always, you know. I got to be going somewhere and doing something, active somewhere. And, and by the way, may I tell you this, that that's not a good thing because that can really hinder your walk with Christ. Uh, because it takes some discipline to sit down, open the Bible, and be quiet and let God speak to you. Amen. heard a preacher not long ago say this right here. He said, I don't ask my children anymore if they read their Bible or if they prayed. He said, I ask them if they've spoken to God and if God's spoken to them. Because it's a fellowship. It's not a ritual. It's a personal walk with the Lord. Amen. And um, 
And so I, gra- I went into his office, and I'm looking through all of his books. He's got hundreds of books in his office, and I'm thinking, boy, this one looks boring, that one looks boring, all these look boring. And uh, I'm going through all of them, and I'm flipping through them, and I come across a book uh, that had a, a picture of a man's hand on it, and it was like this, and it was black and white, and it had veins. His veins were all, you know, like he was in stress. His hand was in stress, and there was a chain hanging down from it, and I said, that's the one I'm going to read right there. And the title of the book was Tortured for Christ. And you've probably heard of it. It's a very famous book. There's actually a couple, I think, of, uh, they tried to make some, you know, films, short films of it and everything. And I grabbed that book and I read it a first time. I read it a second time. Then I read it a third time. I loved the book. And it was about a man by the name of Richard Wurmbrand. And Richard Wurmbrand was a preacher in uh, communist Romania. In the early 1900s, he was a preacher, and he was preaching the gospel, had an underground church and all that, and kind of they had a meet in secret because in the communist countries, you're not allowed to have the Bible, and you're not allowed to preach the, the name of Jesus Christ. They'll imprison you. And uh, they, they captured him, put him in prison for 14 years. And may I tell you, the prisons in communist Romania are not the prisons that we have in the United States of America today. And uh, they put him in prison, and his wife and his daughter, he just had a... Uh, a uh, daughter that was, I think, around two or three years old and never got to see her grow up and was in prison all those years. And they made a mistake. A stinging communists made a mistake. They took him and they threw him in a prison cell with a bunch of other preachers. And they were all in the same cell together. And he said that was a mistake. He said we started preaching and we started singing. He said we started holding revival meetings. He said the whole prison, all the cells around us started getting, people started getting saved and accepting Christ and singing along and having revivals with us. And he said, boy, those prison guards, they hated it. He said, even in his book, he quotes it like this, that he believes those guards were demon possessed. He said they hated us and they hated Christ and they hated the word of God. They hated it with a passion. By the way, communist countries teach uh, that there is no God. That's what they teach. And you are your own God. And, uh, and we don't need that in this country, amen. We don't need socialism or communism in this country. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's right. And we want to be free, a free people. Why is it important that America is free? Because we can fur- the furtherance of the gospel. Why does America send out the most missionaries? Because we're a free nation been a free nation for 200 years and that's the furtherance of the gospel that's how god has used to get the gospel out throughout all the world amen amen this nation's blessed they put him in prison he's preaching and singing he said those guards would come in they'd open up his prison cell door and they'd grab him by the collar they just rip him out of that cell and they'd take him to a back room and they just have i mean hours beating him He said it was terrible. He said every bone in my body was broke. He said I couldn't even walk. He said they had to drag me back in there. He said they would drag me back in there laughing, thinking it was funny. He said I'd come back into the area where my prison cell was. He said and I'd hear the other preacher preaching the gospel. He said they dropped me off and they just grabbed that preacher that was talking and hauled him off. He said, I would get enough strength to sit upright. He said, I'd just start preaching the gospel again. May I tell you tonight that God's looking for the courageous type. God's looking for courageous Christians. Courageous. Are you courageous? 
We need some more men in our churches. I read this not long ago. I'll read this to you tonight. title of it is, We Need Some More Men. I thought it was great. I'll read it to you tonight. It says, May God help us be the men He would have us to be. We need men in our churches. Churches need men who will serve faithfully and honor the Lord consistently and support the pastor loyally. We need men who are doctrinally sound and separated, not concerned with fitting into the mold of the world, but we also need men in our community. And the community needs men of integrity and honesty, men who will stand up for morality and virtue and stand against indecency and perversion. We need men in the workplace, and we need men who are not sold out to the philosophies of the world and are willing to honor Christ before their peers, and men who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ or ashamed of the word of God. Where where are the men? Where are the men in our churches? God's looking for the courageous type. Acts chapter 13 and verse number 51. We read the story right there where the apostles were just being persecuted for the cause of Christ. But the Bible tells us in verse number 51 that they shook the dust off their feet and kept going to the next city to take the gospel. Amen. Shake the dust off your feet, Christian, and be courageous. Move forward. I don't know your story. I don't know your history. People have hurt you, perhaps. People have treated you wrongly, perhaps. People have spoken to you the wrong way, perhaps. I don't understand. I don't know. Shake the dust off your feet and keep moving forward for the cause of Jesus Christ. Shake it off. Shake it off. We need some Christians who are courageous. Amen? God's looking for the obedient type. He's looking for the servant type. He's also looking for the courageous type. I want to read you this story tonight, and I'm done right here. Wendy's is calling my name. Amen. I want to read you this story, though. This will be a blessing to you. And, uh, Pastor, do you like Baptist history? I love Baptist history. Being a Baptist doesn't get you to heaven, but... There's something to be said about our heritage. Amen. Baptist history and the martyrs. The folks that have were persecuted, suffered persecution for the cause of Jesus Christ, really suffer persecution that you and I can have this book right here. Are you glad you have the word of God tonight? How much does this mean right here to you? Does it mean so much that you leave it on the pew during the week and you leave it on the dashboard of your car? Or does it mean something else to you? It means more to me, amen. Listen to this right here. I think this will be a blessing to you. Michael Sattler was born in Stauffen, Germany sometime in the 1490s. He eventually became a monk near Freiburg, Germany. And he was a brave and a bold man who left a prestigious position in a monastery to follow after Christ. And here he is right here in this story. He's being tried before the Catholic Council, if you will. The Catholic Diocese, the Pope of the town there. He's being tried. He's been imprisoned for heresy, for preaching heresy. And really, he's just preaching the gospel. Amen. He was charged with several things. One of those was denying that infant baptism saves. And it doesn't save anybody. Amen. That's right. It doesn't save a single soul. If you've been baptized, you can't rely on your baptism for anything. Amen. Sattler admitted to all these things, but denied that they were contrary to the word of God. And listen to the end of his defense. Listen to this right here. They noted it down. They jotted it down. He said this at his trial. You ministers of God, 
I admonish you to consider the end for which God has appointed you, to punish the evil and to defend and protect the pious. Whereas then we have not acted contrary to God and the gospel, and you will find that neither I nor my brethren and sisters have offended in word or deed against any authority. And this, right, this part right here is interesting. Listen to the verbiage here. He kind of kind of gets testy with him a little bit. He says, Therefore, ye ministers of God, if ye have not heard or read the word of God, send for the most learned, for the sacred books of the Bible, of whatsoever language they may be, and let them confer with us in the word of God. And if they prove to us with the holy scriptures that we err and are in the wrong, we will gladly desist and recant, and also willingly suffer the sentence and punishment for that of which we have been accused. But if no error is proven to us, I hope to God that you will be converted and receive instruction. Listen to what the town clerk told him right there in that room. He said this, they hated this man. The Catholic Church hated this man with him. I mean, they hated him. Oh, you infamous, desperate villain and monk, shall we dispute with you? The hangman shall dispute with you, I assure you. Sattler responded, God's will be done. It would be better if you'd never been born, the town clerk said. Sattler responded to that remark and said, God knows what's best. You are heretic. You have seduced the pious. If only they would forsake their error and accept grace. Sattler responded, grace belongs to God alone. You desperate villain and orc heretic. I tell you, if there were no hangmen here, I would hang you myself and think that I had done God's service. Sattler responded to that last remark and said, God will judge rightly. There were others with Michael in the room that day, and they were prepared to be as bold as him. When one of the people in the room began to insult Michael and worked himself into such a frenzy that he picked up a sword and threatened Michael, one of the other Anabaptists in the room warned Sattler and said, Don't throw your pearls before swine. Michael didn't. He endured the sentencing in silence. They then performed several acts of torture and then burnt him at the stake to death. Margareta, his wife, was treated not so severely as Michael, but the next day she was drowned in what authorities liked to call back then death by baptism. They drowned her. And folks, this all happened in my hometown right there in Germany. Right there in my hometown. We've got some Baptist history right there. We've got some courageous folks that stood for the Bible. Stood for what was right. God's looking for courageous folks. Now listen, I understand we don't go through this today. Praise the Lord. Amen. You and I right here in Yukon, we don't go through any of this. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? I'm thankful for that tonight. Amen. But there is one way that you and I can be courageous. It's quite simple. For Christ, it's all the courageous he needs from you and I, and that is to open our mouths. Tell the folks about the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his son did on the cross of Calvary over 2,000 years ago. That he died for your sins and he died for mine so that all could be saved. God's not willing that any should perish. Amen. Amen. Now what's exciting now about this, there's nothing exciting about the story. 
there is something exciting right now in our hometown. We are now seeing folks getting saved and we're baptizing them right there while all this once happened. We're back here bringing the gospel, amen. But God's looking for the obedient type, the servant. And he's looking for some of his people to be courageous. Could you improve in one of those areas? I sure could. Boy, I'm getting under conviction myself tonight. Maybe we could have every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. I don't know you, and I don't know your story. I'm just a visitor passing through. But one thing I know for certain tonight, without a shadow of a doubt, is two things. I know that if I were to die right now, I know for 100% assurance tonight that I'm on my way to heaven. Amen. But I know another thing for sure. That if someone here does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and has never accepted the free gift of salvation, understood that they're a sinner. That you and I have been born with sin. Because of our sin, we've come short of the glory of God. You cannot enter in. There's nothing you can do. There's no good works you can do. You can't, you can't outgive, you can't give, you can't do works, you can't do you can't get baptized. There's nothing you can do to get into heaven except for one thing. And that is accept the free gift of salvation. Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior tonight and all this right here, you're thinking, what in the world? What's all the fuss for? What is all this? I don't understand. Maybe you need to ask Jesus tonight to come in your heart and save you. Maybe you just need to get saved. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. The reference there we could use for salvation. Today is the day. If you're not saved today, would you get saved? Would you ask him to come in your heart and save you? Maybe as the piano plays tonight, maybe you're thinking tonight, you know, I, could do biz I need to do business with God tonight. Maybe you're thinking... I need to be the obedient type. I need, to be, I need to be the obedient type. I'm not obeying the call of God for my life. I don't know what's going on. Maybe you're thinking, I need to be more of a servant. If someone were to ask me tonight if I would do this or that, or if someone said, point me to somebody that has a servant's heart and wants just to serve in the ministry, would they be able to point at you? Maybe somebody here tonight says, I just need to be more courageous. Boy, that really struck me tonight. I think we all could be more courageous. All the hundreds and thousands of people that we pass every day, whether it be work, the store, gas pump, coming to and from church, I don't know. And we just pass on by. What does the Bible say about that? It says, and some having compassion, making a difference. You want to make a difference? Be courageous. Be courageous. As the piano plays tonight, go ahead and if you would, please play. You do business with God. Listen, the singing's good. We need the singing. The singing definitely prepares us for the message and for the service. Oh, it ministers to me. I would never have it any other way. The preaching, hopefully, Lord willing, was a blessing to you. 
challenged you. But I got to tell you tonight, there's no other part of this service that's more important than this one right here. Why is that? Because this is when God's people do business with God. So why don't you do business with God? You stay right there in your seats. You can do it. I don't know how y'all do it. Maybe you come to the altar. It's up to you. You know the procedures here, but do business with God. He's waiting for you and I. I heard a preacher, I'll say this right here, and then I'll turn it over to Pastor Carsey's. I heard a preacher this morning say this right here, and they were having a tent revival somewhere. And he said this, he said, listen, you want revival? We all talk about revival. We all want revival in this nation, but listen, revival doesn't start in the White House. It starts in your house. It starts in God's house. Do business with God tonight. bowed tonight, heads bowed and eyes closed still. Tonight, if there's something specific that you told the Lord as you prayed, whether it has to do with being an obedient Christian, servant Christian, or a courageous Christian, one of those three areas, or perhaps even more than one, you sense God really speaking to you about, and you that's something you've talked with him about while Amanda played. Sometimes it's good, it's always good, but when you make a decision, it's, it's good to tell somebody. You tell your husband or you tell your wife or you tell your mom or your dad. You tell your best friend at church, just tell somebody, okay? So tonight I want to encourage you, if tonight you made a decision in one of those three areas, or anything else for that matter, perhaps in the lobby tonight after church, if you're going to go with us to Wendy's for some fellowship, if you would, just... Tell me, tell Brother Jacob tonight, say, I just want you to know that during the invitation, I prayed to the Lord about being more of an, and then you just tell us what it is. You don't have to go into a lot of detail, just, just be an encouragement tonight. To me as a pastor, be an encouragement to our missionary guests tonight to know that God did speak to your heart tonight. So whoever you are, boy, girl, young person. Adult of any age, if you definitely, in one area tonight, God spoke to you about and you would be willing to share that with us, that'd be a wonderful thing to do. Appreciate the message tonight. Why don't we stand together and let's just sing the first verse of the song Amanda just played. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently praised. 389. 389, if you need your books, please. We'll ask the ushers to come. Why don't you uh, change out the offering plates, if you will, men.
the men that have been serving as ushers, you just come while we sing together. But let's sing the first verse as you're all on the altar. And uh, it's a serious song. You know, it's, 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 it, you can't really sing unless you really mean it. So I trust that as we sing tonight, as the words come out, we'll say, yeah, this is, this is really, this is for me, okay? Let's sing the first verse together. You have long? You have long for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly You cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit. Father, tonight as we, as we receive a love offering for Brother Jacob and Shay, we pray that you will bless them as they continue on the deputation trail. Thank you for their ministry in the churches where you have allowed them to be. Thank you, Father, for their call to the mission field and their surrender to that call and their eagerness, their willingness to go. Thank you that they worked it out in their schedule to be in our church tonight and for the message tonight that we heard that we know we will remember. All of us will, Father. We'll remember what we've heard tonight. And I pray that we might put into action what we've heard, be obedient, be courageous, be willing to serve wherever you prompt us. As we receive the offering tonight, Lord, may we be an encouragement to them to help meet some need that they have at this time or will need in the near future. We pray in Jesus' name.